0: Well, last week, we started in a series on the book of Romans, and I've been looking forward to this for many months, going through this uh, book. It's a tremendous book. It's uh, Paul's letter to the Romans, as we saw last week. And uh, basically, last week, Paul wrote to the Romans and said, hi, Romans, this is Paul. I'm coming to see you, hopefully someday. Here's why I want to come see you. Kind of some just, you know, uh, normal, cordial things. And then today, what he's going to do in two verses that you've already heard several times, In two verses, he's going to basically present his thesis statement, his thesis statement for the entire book of Romans. And so I want us to look at that. But let me ask you a question first. And if you notice, most all the time, the sermon title is a statement. Today, it's a question. Am I ashamed of the gospel? This is the question I want you to ask yourself today. I want all of us to ask ourselves today. Uh, Over here, uh, this is my not ashamed easel. And uh, it's a picture of my family, if you can't see it. Uh, I'm not ashamed of them at all. Oh, occasionally, maybe a few things that they do. Uh, but mostly, I'm not ashamed of them at all. Okay? I'd be glad to tell you all the story. I'd be glad to tell you the story of how Julie and I met and how we dated. And uh, there we are as young, uh, you know, daters. And uh, I'm not ashamed to tell you how God blended our families tremendously. And you can see that we were there in the happiest place on earth. And everybody was happy but Casey. And uh, if you take a look at that, uh, and I, I'm not ashamed to tell you about our four grandsons and how wonderful they are. By the way, that, that fifth one there is our dog, Chloe. We don't have a grandson with hy- uh, hypertrichosis. I had to look that up, uh, you know, uh, but that's our family. And so this is my family. I'm very happy uh, about them, happy to talk about them. I'm not ashamed of them at all. In fact, I'm willing to talk about them to just about anybody who will listen, you probably can't really know me for more than about an hour before you'll know something about them. I get accused of occasionally being one of those grandparents that talks about my grandsons too much. I'm not sure that that's really possible, but they say it is. That's because I'm not ashamed of them. They come up in conversation all the time. It's just normal conversation. It's just normal, a normal thing for me to talk about them. Now, over here and over there, That is a picture of something in my past that I'm too ashamed to even show you. In fact, I'm so embarrassed uh, that I would be completely humiliated to show it to you. And frankly, I'm afraid of what you might think about me if you saw it. Uh, So I've wrapped it in a black garbage bag there because I don't want you to see it. In fact, for those of you who are incredibly curious, there's no surprise later in the the service. I'm not going to take it out and show you what's in there. I'm that embarrassed and humiliated and ashamed of it. But this morning, I want to use this third picture or this picture-sized board to represent the gospel, and I want to ask the question for all of us, which easel is this on for each one of us? Here in the first chapter of Romans, the Apostle Paul is going to tell us that it is absolutely on his not ashamed easel. He says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. But what he's going to tell us is not only that he's not ashamed of the gospel, but he's going to answer the important question of why he is not ashamed of the gospel. Why is it here instead of over here wrapped in a black garbage bag? I want us to consider his reasoning. Before we decide which easel it's going to be on for each of us, I want us to hear him out. I want us to look and see what he says. I want us to consider his thinking and his logic as he shares with us why he's not ashamed of it and why perhaps we should not be ashamed of it either. Look back at Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. It says this, and you can follow along this time. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Now, it's pretty obvious to see what the first point of today's sermon is going to be. It's really obvious. Paul's not ashamed of the gospel. This isn't some deep a uh, uh, study of Greek language and 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 you know word usage and all that kind of thing. Paul's basically saying, "Listen, I'm just not ashamed of it. It's just there, okay? But and you can see it right there at the beginning of that verse. He's saying it's always in my conversation. It's always right there, out in front, so everybody can see it. He's not embarrassed. He's not humiliated." He's not afraid of anyone seeing or knowing us that we want to keep in that black garbage bag because we don't want people to see them or know them. Paul's saying, listen, the gospel is not that way for me. I want it out there in front where everybody can clearly see it. In fact, can you imagine a conversation like this? Use your imagination with me for a minute. Can you imagine a couple of guys talking about Paul and they're saying, you know that guy Paul? He's a, he's a pretty good tent maker. I wonder what he thinks about I want to think things are important to him. Or Paul always seems to run his business in a pretty moral way. I wonder if he's a religious man. Can you imagine anybody ever having that conversation? Not. That would never happen. It would never take place. You couldn't know Paul for five minutes and not know that the gospel was not on his ashamed easel, but it was on his not ashamed easel because he always talked about it. He doesn't just say, I'm not ashamed. He doesn't just say, hey, I'm not ashamed. I don't want you to be ashamed, so just follow me. Just do what I do. He doesn't say that. In fact, he clearly says, I am not ashamed of the gospel because the gospel has God's power to change lives and eternities. Look back at Romans 1:16 and 17. He says, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel gospel for it is the power of God for salvation you know usually when we think about power uh, this comes to mind you know I always kind of think of a, a power outlet but I don't want you thinking of this today in fact this is a side note God okay other guys discovered it, and they're learning how to harness it, but God created electricity. He created power. Okay, so instead of that cute little electric outlet that you plug your blow dryer in or whatever, uh, think about this. There are actually four Greek words that, that would be properly translated in English as power. This particular Greek word is dunamis, which means power of a great explosion. The power of a great explosion. We actually get our word dynamite from this Greek word. So Paul is actually saying that the gospel has the incredible explosive power to change lives and eternities. So he's not saying, hey, uh, you know, if you just want to plug into Jesus there, uh, that'll help you out. That's not what he's communicating He's communicating, listen, folks, the gospel has this incredible, unbelievable power that will explode your life into a whole new way of living, into a whole new way of thinking, into a whole new way of interacting with others, and into a whole new way of interacting with God. The gospel has this incredible power that will explode your life in a really good way. Now, let me ask you a question. If you believed you had the cure for cancer, would you not be ashamed of it and put it out there and available to everyone? Or would you say, you know, I, I'm afraid that some people won't use it or some people might not like it that I've cured cancer, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it in a bag and not let anybody see it. Not anybody sh- I'm not going to share it with anybody. You would never do that. When I ask you that question, you're thinking, that's absurd. That's a ridiculous question. Well, we don't have the power to cure cancer. We have God's power. God allows us to communicate his power to cure sin, which is way, way, way more destructive than cancer. Cancer can only take our life. Sin can take our eternity. And so what Paul's saying here is, listen, you've, you, the power is in the gospel. The truth of the gospel is the power, God's power, not our power, uh, not a human type of power. It's God's power for the salvation of sin. Now, we say it a lot around here. I try to keep reminding us all the time. But when people ask me the question, well, how many people have you saved? I always answer, none. None. I've never saved anybody. Now, if they ask me the question of how many people have I shared the gospel with, well, that could be many. But you see, I'm just a messenger boy. We're just messengers of the gospel. All I do is say, hey, this thing exists. Would you like to have it? And then I wait for God's power to do something in their heart. I can't do that work in somebody's heart. You can't do that work in somebody's heart. It's God's power. But what happens is when we withhold it, And we don't even tell people about it. In a way, I know God can do whatever he wants to do. But we are kind of refusing to unleash God's power in somebody's life. We're holding back. We're being a hindrance to God's power. Paul's saying, listen, this thing has the power to change a person's life and their eternity. But they got to hear it first. They got to be exposed to it first, and that's why Paul says, I'm going to put it out here for everybody to see. The Gospels has the power to bring about salvation. We are no longer indebted to God because of the power of the Gospel to pay our debt. What Jesus did on the cross is the power that allows us to know God, And to have a relationship with him through his son, Jesus Christ. So Paul's saying very clearly, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. And here's why, guys. I'm not ashamed of it because it has the power to change the lives of people around me. Then he says, it's available to everyone who believes. We go back to those verses, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek Now, that means a little bit something different to those folks that he was writing to in Rome than it probably does to us. Uh, To us, those two terms really just kind of point to two groups of people, right? It's like those living north of the river and those living south of the river. Just a couple of groups of people. But to the people in this day, he's saying these are the two groups of people that are the farthest away from each other. Uh, They think as differently as they can possibly think. Uh, Their views of life, their worldview is completely different. This would be kind of the equal uh, for somebody to say, hey, this is like people from the North and the South during the Civil War. He's trying to paint a word picture for his listeners that the people that are the most different from each other still have equal access to salvation and the forgiveness of sins through the gospel. Nobody is too far from God. Nobody. No one has been too bad. No one has wasted too much time. Everyone has access to salvation through the gospel under certain conditions. And that condition, as we saw in the scripture, is to believe. To simply accept the truth that Jesus died on the cross to pay for their sins. Now I know sometimes when I say It's available to everyone who believes. Usually somebody, maybe your brain doesn't work like my brain does. My brain kind of goes, oh, man, but not this guy. (laughs) You don't know him like I know him. That guy's far. I mean, there's people that are far from God. There's people far from God. This guy's far from God. But if you you read the scriptures, you see that people that are really, really far from God get saved all the time. You've got uh, two men being crucified with Jesus. They have no chance to do something good for uh, uh, the community. They have no chance to make up for the crimes they've committed. They have no chance, maybe even to make it right, have any ability to ever be religious or be baptized or, or do anything that we would call obedience to God. And yet, because one of them says, Jesus, when you come into your kingdom, remember me. What he's really communicating there is, don't just, hate, just think of me. He's saying, Jesus, when you get to heaven, when you get to wherever it is you're going, would you remember that I'm here and I need you? Now, the other man being killed with Jesus and, and that criminal mocks him, makes fun of him, says, dude, don't you even fear God when we're being killed? We're facing death right now. It's too late to do something like that. And Jesus says, today you'll be with me in paradise. He said, listen, today you're going to be with me in paradise. And so we, we've got to get this thinking out of our heads that anybody is too far from God, that the gospel doesn't have the power in everybody's life, only those of us who are really trying to do good anyway. no. The gospel has the power of God to revolutionize everyone. Everyone. Lastly, what we see here is that God's righteousness is achieved both in position and execution by faith through the gospel. Look what it says in verse 17. Verse 16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. Then in verse 17 it says, For in it, the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith, for faith, as it is written. The righteous shall live by faith. Now what is Paul saying in those two things? From faith and for faith. He says clearly that the righteousness of God is revealed, but how is it done? Well, let's talk about first what he means when he says from faith. What he means there is when we put our faith and trust in the gospel of Jesus, we immediately achieve a position of righteousness before God. When I was 12 years old and I heard that I was a sinner and I realized for the first time that that I had done things that separated me, me from God, I put my faith and trust in Jesus. I invited him into my life, and I gave my life to him. And I said, Jesus, I accept what you did on the cross to pay for my sins. I thank you for that gift, and and I just give my life to you and hope to follow you the rest of my life. In that moment, I achieved, or really I didn't achieve, but what was uh, pronounced on me was the righteousness of God. I mean, that was a moment in time. My behavior hadn't changed at all in that moment of time. But what had changed was, I gave my sins to Jesus, of which he paid for on the cross, and he in turn gave me his perfection, his righteousness. He said, I'm going to give this to you so that you can stand before God someday and be seen as perfect because of my perfection, even though you never will be perfect. See, so he paid for my sins that were before I turned 12 and while I was 12 and all the sins that had, had been committed since then. He's already paid for them. I already have this position of, of righteousness before God. So instead of our sinfulness, God sees us through Jesus' righteousness and we, in a way, get credit for his righteousness. Now let's talk about the righteousness of God that is revealed for faith. Now, because the power that has the capacity to save us can save us, it also has the capacity to change us. We don't just get credit for Jesus' righteousness and then continue living the way that we live. We don't just say, well, hey, I get credit for, for uh, Jesus' perfect life, but nothing ever transforms my life. I just keep doing what I was always doing. No. No, that's not how it is at all. We now use our position in the power of God through the Holy Spirit to change who we are and how we live. You see, we yield on a consistent basis. We yield to God through his His Holy Spirit and through his word. We yield to what he says, and Jesus is changing us from the inside out. He is actually making us, if we will yield, he will turn us into a better reflection of his son, Jesus, Now, while we're seen positionally by faith as already perfect, we aren't perfect, but God is, in a sense, perfecting us. He is moving us toward that, which we will never achieve on this earth, but we are moving towards it because of Christ's spirit in us. We become more and more the righteousness of God in practice because we execute what God has told us to do. We, we yield to the things that he says he wants from us. So the gospel has the power to both completely and finally save us while also helping us live more up to our salvation than we could before. So Paul's made it clear here. He says, "I I am choosing to not be ashamed of the gospel." I'm going to put it out here on my Not Ashamed diesel, and I'm going to let everybody see it. And it's going to be a part of virtually every conversation, (coughs) excuse me, and every interaction. And there's not going to be any doubt that I'm committed to the gospel. And the reason I'm doing this is because I know that if I put it out here like this, people are going to respond to it. God's power is going to be working in people's hearts and lives, and they're going to respond to it. I wonder if sometimes we are afraid of what people are going to say or how they'll react or how they'll respond. I even think sometimes we can have a tendency to think, you know, I'm going to keep it back over here because I'm not sure that I really know how to do it perfectly and I I don't want to share the gospel with somebody wrong and, and, and make it worse, make it harder for them to know Jesus. But folks, when it's like that, you you don't have the opportunity, you don't even have a chance for the power of God to use you to be a minister to people and, and let God change their lives. So I want to encourage us today to think about where does the gospel lie for us? Does it lie in our ashamed easel facing backwards so nobody can see it? Or are we going to put it on our not ashamed easel, where it's a part of our lives? You know, I know for some of us in the room, we think, well, Michael, I want to be not ashamed. I I try to be not ashamed. I I really want that, but I just can't seem to ever get it out. I just can't ever seem to talk about it. I can't ever seem to have a conversation about it. I I have never woken up in the morning and said to myself, you know, today I'm going to try to work into my conversation something about my family. I'm going to try really hard today to to tell somebody about one of my grandkids. I don't even think that way. It just constantly comes up. It constantly comes up because I'm not ashamed of them. I love them. they're, They're a big part of my life. And I wonder if perhaps the gospel doesn't come up so much because it's really not that much a part of our lives or because we really don't love it as much as we love other things. You know, I can, I can almost in every conversation bring up the gospel. It, 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 just, it just can be done. I mean, I had uh, conversations with many people about the, uh, uh, the eclipse and just talking about God. You know, if, if you own a business and somebody goes, Hey, how's business going? Well, God's really blessing me. Oh, well, that's an interesting response. Well, let me tell you why He's blessing me or how He's blessing me. See, I mean, if it's, if it's really a part of our lives, if it's really on our uh, easel that we're not ashamed of, it can come out and it should come out just kind of normally. I don't think about how to fit that into a conversation. I shouldn't have to figure out how to work that into a conversation unless it's really over here in a black plastic bag. Then I got to figure out how or if I want to or do I dare let it be part of my conversation. I think what Paul's telling us here today, folks, is we got to make a decision. And I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you. If this, if the gospel is not on your not ashamed easel, I I wonder, I wonder if you really understand the gospel. Because here's the thing. The more I realize and understand what a black-hearted, selfish, self-centered jerk I am, sinner I am and I understand God's holiness and his perfection and how much he loved me the more I understand this gap and the, and the more I understand how big that gap in my life when I sing these songs and it says uh, God reaching out for us man I just, I just get this picture of God just reaching down and taking my hand and pulling me out of the muck and mire that was my life, that that would be my life know him. I want us to think about this today, and I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to really consider not being ashamed of the gospel to the place that it just comes out of you like conversations about your family or your hobby. Here in just a minute, we're going to close the service. I'm going to pray, and when I pray, I'm going to ask the band to come up and lead us in a song. When we sing this song, I don't want everybody to participate. I only want those to participate who have decided, who have made a conscious decision to put the gospel on their not ashamed easel. If you're still considering it, or maybe you're not a Christian yet, and and certainly you wouldn't be able to put the gospel there, Then, If you've got it over here, I just want you to stand and listen to the others that are singing about not being ashamed of the gospel. Folks, I I think this is important. I think what Paul's telling us here, and and by the way, he's going to spend the next... We're going to spend the next almost year seeing what he wrote to the the churches in Rome. And what he's basically telling them is, let me explain to you in greater fashion the gospel. Let me explain in greater fashion how incredibly lost you were. Let me explain to you just how incredible God's love and mercy and grace are. Let me just create this gap for you, make it bigger and wider so that you can understand the gospel and how far God reached to reach out to you. That's what he's going to tell them, the whole rest of the book. And it's going to be phenomenal. It will be life-changing. Let's pray. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. God, I thank you for your mercy and grace, for the gospel that saved us, and for the gospel that is transforming us. Father, I forgive you. I ask for your forgiveness for me, for the times that I have been ashamed for the times that I have allowed my own fears or anxiety or insecurity, withhold your power in the the lives of other people because I wouldn't share the gospel. God put the gospel on the tip of my tongue that I would speak about it with more love, with more freedom than I even speak about my own grandchildren. God, help us, help us to really understand the gospel so that we can understand how not to be ashamed and so that we can share that with others and see your incredible dynamite power work in their lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.